listening to Spitball with Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Good evening and welcome to Spitball. Got an extra special edition for you this week because... Adri, 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 He's not here. No, he's over in Chicago right now, enjoying himself too much. Uh, fair play on him. We all need a holiday. So it means I'm taking Spitball this week solo. We're going to get you involved, everyone out there who's listening, so you could be able to tweet us in throughout the show so we can get your sort of aspect on it. So remember that throughout when you're listening to this, that you can get in contact with us at Hawk's Nest. Give us a tweet of how you feel this went and include yourself into it. And with that, we'll move on with the show. You are listening to Spitball. So our first segment, as usual, we get straight into our games. Week 8 is in the books, and what a week it was. I mean, with the second game in London, um, kicking off breakfast time in the States, there was an actual full day of competitive football. So what better place to start? The Lions... Versus Falcons in Wembley Stadium, lunchtime kickoff, this half one this time. So it's like 9.30 East Coast. So we're talking, you know, you're going to wake up and you're going to get football from the moment you say go. Oh, if only it were. But what a domination this was by the Falcons and tail of two halves. So you got the Falcons coming in and they just looked so dominant. They came in, they uh, attacked the football and they really made Stafford and the Lions look really uncomfortable. They couldn't quite get anything going. And this is a very banged up Lions um, team. You know, some key sort of people out. They didn't have um, Pettigrew, their tight end, Ebor, their, their new newly drafted tight end, Richie Bush running back. Of course, and they didn't have no Megatron either as a wide receiver. So a lot of offensive weapons down for this game. So a lot of people wondered what the production would be like. And of course, it showed in that first half when they found themselves 21 to 0 at the half daunting as it was though whatever was said at halftime what was ever in those halftime oranges it clearly worked um because out they came and they just started moving it methodically and the young running back riddick who came in to replace reggie bush for this game what a game he had he showed his diversity coming in from running into the backfield and like pushing it wide or whether or not he's coming catching the football really safe pair of hands and it was really that that meld into that sort of middle game of just slowly getting the the ball into playmakers hands which really tell the tale and of course that number one lines defense clearly got on a late plane because they didn't turn up to the second half <laughs> so when they finally turned up Falcons just they just didn't look anything they couldn't move the ball the run game just died they became so one-dimensional and the pressure finally got to Ryan and you could see that with with the interception that got dragged all the way back to about the five yard line but one person I really want to mention for this is Golden Tate what a game he had stepping up for the fact that you know Megatron's out big games needed from him but he came and delivered like 150 yards at a touchdown. The guy just seemed to break coverage left, right and center. I mean, and we've known that Falcons defense is a bit leaky at times, but man, he like turned the tap on full volume. I mean, just every time it seemed that a big play was to be made, he was making it. And it's times like that. You need those big players to step up so they could get back into it. And what a way to finish. Uh, two points behind. They're coming into the final part of the game and you've got, 
Matt Prater coming in, 43-yard field goal, penalty, delay game. It's missed. It's coming back, re-kick, 48 yards now. Further kick, it comes in, hits true, bang, 22-21. The place erupts, the lines go crazy, pitch invasion. It was amazing. Now, I really want to hear from anyone who was actually in the crowd. If you were in the crowd listening back to this and going, oh, I was there, please get in touch with us. Tweet us at Bullhawks Nest. Tell us what it was like, the atmosphere. You might have heard in the last couple of podcasts back, Adrian and myself, we were at Wembley for the, the Dolphins and the Raiders game, but I don't think it could have been anywhere near as uh, as dramatic and emphatic um, a sort of environment to be in when you've got such a comeback and a clinch decision as that last field goal. So if you were there, if you saw it, hey, maybe you were even in the end zone that they kicked it to, you saw it go straight and true through. We want to hear from you. Tell us what it was like to be in Wembley for that game. We'd really love to hear from you. That's at Ballhawks Nest again. And on to the next game. So another game that was really sort of anticipated to come into this was Colts versus Steelers. I was quite surprised to see how well Pittsburgh managed to out-muscle the Colts defense. Colts defense has gone on a massive hype. The last couple of weeks, they've been shutting out. Remember, this is the same Colts defense that shut out the Bengals. So I have no idea how they planned for it, but Pittsburgh, wow, what a way to prep yourself for the game. Ben Roethlisberger coming in, he set two Pittsburgh records with 522 yards in the game and six touchdowns. So the fact is he is just completely blown up. But not only that, he wasn't just uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown. No, 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 no. He was finding Wheaton and all his other receivers, that Miller as well, the tight end. He was just throwing the ball around. This was dominant on all aspects of the ball. Now, I know Bell had some issues with some fumbles and stuff, but you take that away, I think you're pretty much looking at just the perfect offensive game. Now, for me, I don't know what it was with the Colts, but the Colts sort of breathed themselves into new life halfway through, which was really interesting because at one point they were like 20 points down and it was like, oh, this is game over. And they brought it back to an eight-point game. And up until the point where they even, like I said, that fumble, gave them the ball back deep in their own half, but they stopped the drive. And you thought for a moment there, you saw it, that could Luck sort of manage, because he's done it before. Luck has managed four quarter comebacks before in his short career. You know, he's definitely done it at crunch times like this, in difficult scenarios like this. But don't know what happened, tripped over his own guy's feet or whatever it was, but he ended up going backwards, ended up throwing the ball intentional grounding from the end zone it was a safety and that kind of for me I felt that that clipped their wings for the Colts and called it a day Steelers managed to then score back after the free kick and pretty much close that out 51-34 to Pittsburgh definitely brings them into contention now because they now put themselves with their nice little run as well so that puts actually the Steelers up 5-3 and three. that's a really tight Division now with the fact that you've got Baltimore, you've got Cincy, and you've got uh, Steelers. But don't forget, now with Browns winning against the Raiders, so that puts them four and three as well. So you've definitely got this stunning thing that you've got a division with an entire winning record. Difficult to see how I'm going to do that now. Of course, Cincinnati beating Baltimore as well. It just means that the whole thing has compacted. If you're an AFC North fan, it is exciting. Really, it's now 
looking to be who is going to become dominant because they all keep having flashes of at the beginning of the year, I thought Cincinnati were the most rounded team. They've fallen apart with the fact that their offensive line can't protect Dalton, uh, AJ Green. They don't seem to have weapons stepping up as they were. They did this week. I'll give them granted that, but it's still not 100% there. You know, Baltimore, they're good. They're bad. What are they? Come on, guys. Give me a hint. Pittsburgh, stunk. Now they're good. Browns, Browns, we never give them a shot anyway. So the fact is they're good by their own standards. So for me, that is a really competitive division, and I'm, I'm just loving that at the moment. But that was it for me. The game matched itself up, and just point fest. We love them. That's why we love the NFL. Touchdowns! So on to the next and final game. Monday night in Texas. Okay, so you've got the banged-up Washington Redskins coming in. They've changed quarterback. RG3 still going to be on the sidelines. Against a Dallas team that looks good. I mean, it looks 1990s good. So it was kind of like, would this just be a Romo going out there in a, a showcase? Whoa! I did not imagine this, but wait for it. Upset alert coming in right now. If you haven't seen it already and you want to uh, watch Monday Night Replay, you vivoed it, you've got it on Game Pass, whatever it is. Fingers in your ears right now. Washington 20, Dallas 17 in overtime? Are you kidding me? Uh, okay, we have to admit that Romo was banged up for a bit of the third quarter into the fourth. The protection failed him. That is a weakness that we have seen. But they managed to get over that by this quick pass game. And the fact is, DeMarco Murray, again, had a 100-yard game. So for me, it's it's the case was, if they just played their game, surely they must beat Washington. But Washington, the defense... Okay, the offense still doesn't look 100%. I mean, McCoy and Deshaun Jackson have definitely got a connection. Morrison, that run game just still isn't there for me. And if they're really going to progress and try and make something like a late run into, you never know, you never know. Uh, But if they want to make a late run, they've got to shore that up because the defense looks hot. And we saw it a couple, I know it was a few weeks ago back now, but against Jacksonville and it was just sack central. But it's still, the defense is very impressive. And especially the secondary and the way they managed to shut out people like Des Bryant. Okay, he did have a touchdown, but first yards on the day, that's it. It just really, for me, it sort of broke down to the fact is if DeMarco Murray is your top receiver with 80 yards because you're having to check down all the time, then clearly something's working. Couldn't stop the run game, but then DeMarco Murray is a beast. For me, I like the way Colt McCoy's managed to find himself in, in Washington. But again, we can't get too excited because this is exactly... Um, what Cousins did, he started off hot through a really bad game. I think it was three or four interceptions in one game and then lost the confidence of the coaches. So we've seen this before in Washington. So Washington fans don't think it's McCoy time. It's He's the man to lead you through. I still think something's got to be in place there where you've got to pick someone, you've got to lead with that. But if you're a Washington fan, to have this divisional win and just upset the Cowboys, it's got to be great. We have especially, of course, the Eagles, falling to the Cardinals, you're kind of still safe for another week. But still, massive upset. Wouldn't have swung it if you'd asked me to. But hey, this is why we love football, because this kind of stuff happens. And with that, we end this segment and on to the next. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby. You're having one of those days. I say that to say this. If you want to deal with what you want to deal, 
then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Shit. I can't face with these gloves. I'm a teeth. I got to trim my tooth. Wish I had some goals so you can buy me some teeth. If people have listened to this show before, you'll know I'm very easily wound up and I have something to grind in my gears almost every week. Now, apart from the fact that Adri is sunning it at the moment in Chicago, which, of course, is grinding my gears, <laughs> just because I'm not there. Why, I oughta. We go on to the fact is... You know what really grinds my gears? Peyton Manning. Just what is he exactly? Is he like some super robot sent from the future to just totally destroy the NFL from the inside by just blowing up every record going? I'm not sure. I might be convinced. But how about the season he's having? 22 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,134 yards. Shame it wasn't 1,234 yards. That would have been 234. Anyway, um, 119 quarterback rating? Are you kidding me? Surely this guy is not for real. This is Terminator dressing up in his skin. Surely you can't have that sort of stats. But it does. And the fact is, why is this guy so nice when he is so good? You might have seen the post-game afterwards. He was shushing down the crowd up in Mile High. Why was he doing that, you say? Because the video operator, scoreboard operator, was putting on pictures of Manning, getting the crowd to cheer massively, pictures of Villet River, getting them to boo. And he said it was unsportsmanlike. So you're telling me this guy isn't just an awesome athlete, but a really nice guy? But what can you expect from a guy who's dominated so much in the league? And like I said... If you're still not convinced that he is just like a robot, cyborg, sentient being sent from the future, if I still haven't convinced you, check out this guy. Right, so he's played in 247 games. The only games he missed was the season he took off in 2011 for his next surgery, or as I like to think, he's had his 100,000-mile checkup. You know what I mean? Maybe uh, upgraded the systems. Yeah, I know what you mean. But we are talking about 513 touchdowns, records, 67,000 yards close to the record and an overall percentage wise of a lifetime achievement of 97.9 quarterback rating are you kidding me some guys would kill for that today and you've had that over the stretch of your entire career but that's just crazy if you ask me and so the fact is that i'm saying right now is that we've got someone who's so talented such a nice guy he cannot be human and what's going on in my gears is that I have no proof to prove that he is the robot sent from the future to destroy the NFL from the inside out. And that is what's going on in my gears. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick going. Another segment we always do here on Spitball is our award segment. Now, this is to reward those who have played outstanding this week and made a real impact. Now, we name these, if you've heard it before, if you're new to spitball, we name them after two greats of the game. Our offensive impact player is named because Kevin Jones is just awesome. And for our defensive impact player, well, there can only be one person. That is Mr. Because surely there's no bigger impact than that Mr. Ray Lewis brought to the game. So this week, normally, if you listen to the show, me and Andrew often fight it out about who says what 
I'll contradict him. We mess up the whole system. It's all good. Stuck on my own this week. I can only mess up my own lines. So no pressure. But what we want you to do is this week is I'm going to send out two candidates. And then I want you guys to tweet who you think should get the award. Because, of course, I can't argue with myself. I do that already. So I want to give this up to you then, guys, now. So I will start with the Mr. So we'll start with the defensive impact player. So our two candidates this week, who you will decide who will be first place and second place. All right. These are our two candidates. So the first candidate is Bouchard Breland, cornerback for the Washington Redskins. I've just talked about their defense. It was amazing. This guy shut down Des Bryant. He didn't give him any time of day. Six tackles, a forced fumble. And like I said, when Des Bryant only has 30 yards of offense in the game, you know you're going to shut them down. This guy was on all the highlight reels. He even knocked down that last play to basically seal the overtime win and give it to them. But the guy was really helpful. I mean, the secondary, this guy came in and you could see the man assignment he was stuck on. If I was assigned to Des Bryant for the game, ah, man, I don't know if I could step up. But he did. Awesome kudos to him. But is he a champion? Well, it could be this guy, and that is Anthony Barr, linebacker, Minnesota Vikings. Now, the ninth overall pick from UCLA has had a cracking season so far, but what a game. Eight tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, which, of course, he recovered and scored a touchdown for for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. So what better impact than to get your team a W? I don't know about you. I thought it was awesome. And the guy has been playing with such great intensity. Um, lucky you, fantasy owners, if you've got him. I don't. Grr. But those two guys, absolutely amazing. Of course, I could go on and on, but I've, I've slimmed it down to these two. So these guys are your candidates. So that is Bouchard Breland, the cornerback from Washington Redskins. Check out the highlights from the Washington and Dallas game to see more of him. And Anthony Barr, linebacker, Minnesota Vikings. Again, check out the highlight packages. And decide for yourself at Nest on Twitter. We want to hear from you. You guys are going to decide. So, while you're mulling that over, how about I throw you a little bit of a... <laughs> offensive impact player. And this week, I've gone again into the same sort of vein where I've kind of picked guys we've talked about already. Um, but I, I really thought... As I was going through my games, I was like, wow, what an impact these guys had on the game, what they produced for it. So my first candidate, uh, again, this goes back as well to the guys who were there at Wembley. Maybe you saw it live. Is it as impressive live? And that is because I'm voting for Golden Tate, wide receiver for Detroit Lions. 151 yards and a touchdown. He had that massive 50-plus yard touchdown um, catch. What was it like to watch that live, guys? Tell me. I mean... I've, like I said, we've seen the NFL live a bit. It just does look so much more impressive in person. So stepping in for Megatron, it's not exactly that he's come in and just made that deal. It's the fact that he's coming in the trade over Detroit. Was it going to be a good mood for him? We didn't know, but actually it's the best move he can. He stepped up to the plate, allowed Detroit to still have that offensive air game to, to, to attack you with and then keep um, defense is honest and so for me when you saw him Wembley he was all over the, the fact that spreading the field Falcons couldn't deal with him and like I said always found the gap when they need him in that clutch situation but is he our winner I don't know because this guy is putting in some hard-earned work how about Ben 
Roethlisberger. In the Bumblebee kit as well, if that wasn't a distraction enough. In the Bumblebee kit as well. <laughs> God, I love that Bumblebee kit. 522 yards and six touchdowns. By the way, there was no interceptions there as well. Sneaky little add-on. Okay, they are both Pittsburgh records you set there. I mean... They dominated the Colts, a great Colts defense over the last couple of weeks, but they just had no clue about Ben Roethlisberger. Again, keeping plays alive with his feet like he always has. He seems to do this every week, but wow, what a week to really turn on the heat. Make sure you stay competitive in your division. So for me, those two guys shone this week, but I'm not the one who's going to decide. It's going to be you guys on Twitter, at BallHawksNest. Who do you think is going to be the winner? Mm, well, it's up to you to decide. So... What do we think? We've got Bashad Breland, the cornerback from Washington Redskins, or Anthony Barr, linebacker, Minnesota Vikings. For our We've got Golden Tate, wide receiver for Detroit Lions, or Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback for Pittsburgh Steelers. Hit us up at Ballhawks Nest on Twitter. You guys will make the choice. So this week, you can't blame me. You can only blame you. I'm with the show. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. See, see. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple, orange, orange. Hot potato. I don't want no crackers. I'm hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him. He hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll grind these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. Right. So now we're starting to slowly wrap things up. Now, so we're gonna take a look at Week Nine coming at us. And the sort of matchups that we're really looking forward to. Now, it's really hotting up. We've reached that sort of middle point of the season. So now we're really starting to see who's going to be playing for the playoffs, who is just playing for their season, and who's sort of sucking for luck like they did a couple of years ago. Raiders. <clears throat> some, of the, um, some of the games I'm really actually looking forward to this week. And please hit us up with any of the games that you're really looking forward to at Bullhawks Nest. The one game I'm really looking forward to now is the fact is that with New Orleans beating Green Bay late on Sunday, I want to see what happens Thursday night. Thursday night matchups have been awesome this year. So New Orleans going to Carolina, they're out in the Dome. They have not done well outside of that Metro Dome this year. And I'd like to think that Carolina, you know, they had some, some trouble because they lost consecutively now to, to Green Bay and now they've lost to a very tight, closely contested game, mind you and to Seattle Seahawks, but it now means that they're on a two-game losing streak. They need to stop the bleeding at home in the Bank of America Stadium under the lights Thursday night. What can they do? I think it's going to be a matchup for Cam to abuse that secondary. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers, they really clamped down on the whole Jordy Nelson and try to make sure. I mean, Cobb got open because they were double-teaming Nelson, but once we saw Rodgers sort of kind of limping and then forcing him out of the pocket, I think they won't have the same luck trying to do that with Cam Newton on Thursday night because he's too too mobile. You try and force him out of the pocket, he'll make plays with his feet. So really, it's got to go to a completely different game book now. You've got to try and find ways that you can stop his option play like the Seahawks did. You know, They, they reduced it down to pretty ineffective this weekend. So that is where I think New Orleans have got to attack it. Carolina, their defense... I don't know. It's, it looked great against Seahawks. It really, I mean, if the Seahawks defense shut down Cam Newton, the Carolina did an amazing job shutting down uh, Russell Wilson. And we know that he has the potential to almost win games on his own back as he almost did against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. 
So I feel that if they're going to stop Drew Brees, and he's got so many weapons, we saw that against a Green Bay. Wow, can they score quick? So therefore, there is a major matchup in that secondary, which I think is going to be the weak link of Caroline. It is the weak link of Caroline this year. That's where I think I think it's going to be decided. Secondaries of both teams, it's going to be a punching match, a slog out, lots and lots and lots of points. So that's really one to enjoy if you love that sort of thing. Another game, really looking forward to, of course, this week, Houston and Philadelphia. The reason I'm interested in looking at this matchup is because Houston are looking at the point now that there's no one really contesting in the in the in the South apart from the Colts. Now, Houston, if they want to try and make something of it, they've got to try and get on this run because, of course, the last couple of weeks they have sort of managed to hodgepodge stuff together. Now, it's been against not subpar teams, but you know when you're taking on the Tennessee Titans uh, and such, you've got to try and make the most of it. But at the same time. I'm looking at them right now and I'm thinking, could they be, you know, at least a backup team? Maybe at four and four, you could say there's a potential for them to run into the playoffs. Maybe as a wild card, but it's going to be against the teams like Philadelphia. Forget beating the Tennessees of the world. You've got to beat the Phillies of the world. Philadelphia, you've kind of been knocked back a bit. You now need to come back. Dallas have just come off a loss. Now you lost it at a very closely contested game against the Cardinals, which I think you kind of should have won. Sorry. So, <laughs> so now if you're going to go to Houston, these again, these are the teams that you need to beat. If you want to sit in there and go, whoa, Dallas aren't the team of the East. We are the team of the East. So again, which team wants to try and make the most of that? Which team is then going to build themselves into that, you know, over 500 into the positive co- win column? Because you've got to start getting to this point in the season. You can't be playing 500s. You'll be better than 500s. So therefore, it's now is the time to build a three or four or even five game win streak. Now is the week to do it. Week nine is the week to do it. So if either team is going to do it, I think it's more likely to be Philadelphia. Sorry, Houston. But they've got the weapons. Houston don't quite have the weapons. They've got a defense that can be attacked. We saw even Sat Metzenberger for Tennessee managed to get downfield on them. But it's going to be a contention about whether that run game because, of course, they've struggled Philadelphia containing the run game. And, of course, Foster is just starting to really find his legs again. So there you go. could be a fact that it's in Houston as well. You know, if the crowd gets behind them, we've definitely seen atmospheres that can really contain themselves in Houston. There is some home field advice there. But I'm going to now go for my of the week. A little something we do where basically we try and guess our pick. Our, like, if you imagine our sort of down the pub, oi, mate, you know, who's going to win this week? Sort of, <laughs> sort of idea. Bad Cockney accent. I do apologise. But really, this week, I had to save this matchup because this is going to be amazing. And it is Denver at New England. Manning versus Brady. Matchup like gazillion now. I'm not sure how many matchups they got onto, but I know Brady's winning. Brady is winning the matchup ratio. But now... Denver, are you really Super Bowl contenders? Well, guess what? New England are hot right now. They're on fire completely, absolutely winning the last couple of games by unanimous routes. So the fact is you're not going to have an easy match going up to Foxborough. Forget about that. Okay, this is going to be a slug match. Absolute 
to the wire, back against the rope sort of punch up. I don't expect any niceties to be involved, all the punches to be pulled. But at the same time, I think Denver has the potential to go in and ruin the New England season because this really, if New England want to cement themselves going into postseason, uh, we're talking slots one or two. They've got to beat Denver. They've got to do it this week. Denver, you want to be number one in the AFC? You have to beat New England. Simple as. It's been that the last couple of years, and this is where it comes down to it. Can you beat New England in New England? I think they can, but I think it's going to be a really close game. So therefore, my is 55% to Denver, 45% New England. So we're talking like a field goal, maybe even a walk-off field goal to win the game really close it's gonna be one i'm sure we're all looking forward to and it's got sort of prime position as well in the late game so if you're prepared to stay up watching it on red zone or wherever it is you're going to be watching it on it's definitely going to be a matchup to watch Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Right, guys, it seems that's all we've got time for. Um, we are downloadable on iTunes and we're rebroadcasted on the 1800 online network. Also, thank you again for your participation in the show, all your tweets. You've been great. Don't forget to sign up and vote for who is your. Award winners. And don't forget... Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And that's it, guys. So it's been absolutely great doing this on my own. But luckily, I've had you here to listen to me rant and waffle on. You've been amazing. For me... Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. It's so long. (laughs) 